With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy uh, College Football is back. Uh, Canceled. Whether or not that seemed like a good thing on Saturday, it was It was back, and we appear to be set to play again this weekend, and then again for more weekends after that. Uh, the NFL's is that, back. Is that a threat? <laughs> <laughs> we, yes, uh, it's a it's a thinly veiled threat to, to play more football after what we saw on Saturday, which, to be honest, like, not the worst for three quarters. I mean, defensively, we can get into it. Like, it was – there are definite um, bright spots that are overshadowed by just a dreadful, dreadful fourth quarter. Um but yeah, like I mean, I think we 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 got some answers to some questions, and then just like so many more popped up, which is which is the nature of Syracuse football. Um, no, no question uh, goes unanswered without uh, or goes answered without another you know five questions popping up in its place. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. Um, at least we're not a Big Ten twelve football team. Uh, yeah, I feel could be worse. <laughs> they, they, they suffered far worse fates than we did. Three uh, three losses to some belt teams. Yeah, the, the, the three Sunbelt losses, so, so that's great for them. Um, including, I mean, Kansas just got, like, you know, curb stomped by uh, Coastal Carolina. That was great. Iowa State was ranked and then lost to UL Lafayette. Um, but anyway, uh, Syracuse lost 31-6. to uh, They could have easily been up 24-7 to at one point. Instead, yep. they were not. And a, a, a 10-6 uh, kind of deficit at the end of the third quarter quickly turned into – um, 831 to 6 loss. Andy and uh, Steve talked a lot about this um, on the video feed. So while we'll touch on factors here and there, uh, we're going to be focusing more on the pit game, which uh, which I feel like nobody's excited about, mostly because it's pit, um, but also because first week didn't go well. Um, but Dan, I, I think to to talk about like some of the things you mentioned, uh, I think we got confirmation that the defensive backs are very good that the 335 scheme uh, works really well for what we have personnel wise. Uh, I think we learned that the defensive line is going to be just fine uh, without the, uh, you know, pass rushing losses. I, I think that's something that uh, we, we had, we had some confidence in, but I think most of it could have been like fueled by homerism. So I'm glad it wasn't. Uh, we knew the linebackers were going to struggle though a little bit, especially against the run. Um, so I guess defensively, that's what I saw. Um, what kind of stuck out to you on that side of the ball? Uh, I think that's pretty much the the, the uh, basically the same for me. I, I think if you had told me going into the week, hey, we're going to give up 31 points to UNC, 
I would have said, you know, not bad. Okay. UNC is a high scoring offense. They returned a really good quarterback, two really good receivers, two really good running backs, like at least like an okay offensive line. So overall, like, you know, I think uh, you've signed for that just generally based on what we thought UNC would be coming in. Um, to hold them to 10 points and honestly, like, really beat them up through three quarters was really impressive. I liked everything I saw from the defense. Um, the 21 points in the fourth quarter, it's not good. Um, but if you just watched how the offense went, like, you kind of get how you get there. Um, the offense couldn't stay on the field, did not get a third down. I think we had a pretty uh, dreadful third down number. Uh, where I don't have it. Four, I it was four, four for 19. 19. Not good. And then you would cool. say it was like five for 13. So we were doing the same thing to them through three quarters. Eventually they kind of found that they found the running game and it was after our defense was on the field a lot. I, I the time of possession numbers, um, UNC had 32 minutes. We were at 2750. Um, not as slanted as I, as I would think, but I imagine in the fourth quarter, it was like, I mean, I, I can go tally how many plays they ran versus us. It, it had to be pretty ugly. So, I, I mean, that's just the name of the game. We've seen it so many times with past good defenses, um, Eventually, you're going to give up points if you're on the field the whole time. Syracuse in the fourth quarter, um, our drives lasted. We basically had the ball right at the start of the fourth quarter. UNC uh, scored a touchdown right at the end, like the first play of the fourth quarter. Uh, UNC yeah. scored on a Javante Williams run. So then our drives, three plays, three yards, minute 28. Three plays, four yards, 117. Three plays, seven yards, 145. Uh, nine plays, 42 yards, 249. That's where Cole Pepper had a nice little drive going and then got picked off. Um, so when you are going to have the ball for a grand total of what's that uh, nine plays, 18 plays when half of them are on the last drive and every other drive lasted less than two minutes, like, and you're going to allow a really talented fast team to get the ball that much. Like you're going to do up some points eventually. It's unfortunate that it all got bunched up at the end, but overall I think the defense was a, a real bright spot and it sucks that it gets kind of buried. If you just look at the bot store and don't see like conceptually what happened. Um, that being said, the offense is like just as bad as it looks based on the stats. Um, maybe worse. <laughs> maybe worse. And it goes back to the offensive line concerns that we had going into the year. And we thought might be kind of satiated between like everyone being healthy for once, which obviously is not the case anymore. Um, and then, you know, maybe getting Chris Bleich to plug in at one of the dart spots. Um, and then, you know, you go in and, and Babers uh, kind of had his, you know, kind of on the offensive today um, to defend uh, Chris Elmore saying that he was maybe our best offensive lineman, which speaks uh, volumes. Um, and I think the PF, the PFF numbers, which we've looked at, uh, kind of backed that up. I think he was the highest rated offensive lineman, so at least you have two two different data points saying that. In any case, like, that's not a great thing when he's only been playing offensive line for a few weeks for the first time since eighth grade. Like, and, and, and kudos to him. He's probably one of the best players on our team, just, like, regardless of position, and he's done so much awesome stuff for this team in terms of just constantly changing his role without really i mean it doesn't seem like there's any self uh like any kind of selfishness there at, at all he just does it whenever it's asked um you need to have a former fullback not be your best offensive lineman um it's just uh, it's unfortunate because like we thought that we had kind of figured things out with uh Vettorello and Cervez's roles and i think Cervez played okay Vettorello i think might have actually been the weak spot based on some things that you know basically yeah. just watching the game one time and then some things we've heard from, from Steve who's going through and uh, some other things have picked up uh, online. Uh, so that's troubling. Um, and then just the guard situation is troubling in general. So maybe it comes along, but at UNC doesn't have like this stalwart defensive line. Pitts is much better. 
um, even with uh, some opt-outs. Like Pitts is one of the probably two or three best in the ACC. So this could get ugly on Saturday if we don't make any huge steps from week one to two. Yeah, I mean, we really need to take some step forwards out, steps forward, obviously. Um, just to look at the uh, pro football focus stats. Uh, interestingly, Darius Tisdale uh, was the top-rated pass blocker uh, with an 83.5. Uh, Elmore was second on the line with a 69.5. Uh, then Service with a 61.7. Uh, Vet had a 54.7, which is not great. Um, Matthew Bergeron actually only had a 52. I know Steve is kind of skeptical of some of these numbers. Um, so maybe take them with a grain of salt um, here and there. Um, on the run block, really nobody graded that well um, on the line. Bergeron's 59.9. Vet, 59.9. Uh, Pat Davis, 56.5. Um, but that was in limited action. Uh, service, 55.3, and Elmore, 53.3. Uh, Tisdale was all the way down to 49.1. Again, take yeah, some of that with a salt. But that's not good. No, I mean, even if it's just like one person watching this game one time through, and obviously the PFF thing, they have a you know pretty crazy job trying to go through and grade all these games. It's a little less onerous now that there are fewer games. But in any case, like it's one person's watching and grading, and like they're, they're not gospel by any means. Um, but that, I mean, that kind of bases out like what you saw. Devito had no time to throw. Um, unfortunately, when he did have time to throw, like he didn't have. It seems like uh, chemistry and timing is still an issue, and a lot of that probably goes back to the weird off season we've had. Um, this is probably the worst uh, kind of off season you could have to have two coordinator changes. And I know offensively should be like the less uh, you know crazy switch because we're kind of within the same system. Um, but to have all those coaching changes and then to have like the players opting out of practice here and there. And, and, you know, we fully support them in doing that, but it, it probably had an impact in, in terms of prepping for this game. Um, so maybe the offense is just going to be a work in progress, which stinks because we bring back um, our quarterback, a bunch of offensive linemen who did struggle last year, but you, you hope that they get better. Um, a bunch of wide receivers who have played big roles for a couple of years. Now you'd think the timing and stuff would be less of an issue, but it, it's clearly uh there's clearly some something that needs to be done here that just hasn't quite clicked in yet. Yeah, I mean the the, the Devito to Harris connection still doesn't work, uh, and, and that's incredibly uh, just aggravating. That's annoying because uh, like when it does and Harris hits the ball, he's like electric. It's just there, there's like two or three plays a game still where there the, someone's running. He's either running the wrong route or Devito's not uh, reading his break or something. But like those two should be synced up by now. And last year was a constant issue. Uh, and we saw Harris get frustrated by it at times this year. It, I mean, it still looked like last year, except that when Harris caught the ball, it was great. Like Harris is awesome with the ball in his hands, and that's makes it even more frustrating. I mean, Harris was like Harris was heavily targeted in this one. Um, he was super involved, really, in, in, in the entire game. I thought he actually did a decent job uh, blocking. I felt like you know he had that like sort of drop um, within inside the five, where I felt like Devito actually did deliver a bullet. Um, you know, right over the middle. And DeVito, you know, really did struggle over the middle in this game. Uh, he has in general, but he especially did over the middle. Um, in this one, he struggled uh, to the boundary on both sides. Uh, in Harris, like, Harris made things happen a- after the catch. I'll give him I'll give him a ton of credit there. Um, and I actually think, like, he was tougher to bring down despite the, uh, the bit of weight loss um, in the offseason than, than I remember him being. Um, I, I always felt like he was a good run after catch guy, but was better was better on like just turning on the jets. And here he actually showed himself able to operate well in space. Um, some folks have brought out, he should probably be more of a uh, slot receiver. And that's, that's probably some validity to that. 
Um, I also felt like the, the Sherrod Johnson drop, um, in the end zone was, was obviously killer. Like, so on the plus side, like that's where you defend DeVito, like realistically, there's at least like five or six drops in there, um, that you can one touchdown, the you know, at, at least one touchdown, maybe two, a huge um, momentum so, killer. I, I know momentum's yeah. like a controversial, uh, thing to say in sports, but if there's a game flow perspective though, like it, I just think that the game factors. very possibly plays out differently. Maybe UNC still wins, but like Syracuse needed a shot in the arm like that. And to drop that touch, that wide open touchdown, perfect throw by DeVito right on the money through his hands. Oh, just, just horrible. Um, yeah. I mean, you look at the drops, like it, it, let, let's say, you, let's say you conservatively give five. Fine. So now you're looking at 18, 18 for 31 and not factoring in that DeVito will also have more passing opportunities because it's more touchdowns. You're looking at maybe 18 for 31. Maybe he's throwing for close to like 106, 170 yards. Still not an impressive total, um, but he maybe has a touchdown or two in there. Um, I don't think it's like a, a, a game to brag about, but I think it's it's a much different game, obviously. Um, the points that people have brought up that, that I think are valid, um, once DeVito's flushed out, he always goes right for one. He definitely is missing some guys downfield. Um, he's not necessarily progressing well to his second and third reads um, still. Um, and, and, and that's definitely a problem. And he's also, he's definitely become a little risk averse. And this is something that I might get into in an article, but you know, he, he set the program record for, uh, for most passes without a, an interception at this point with 201, um, breaking the old record of 190. Um, but I'd also say that in this game, I don't think he put a single ball in play that looked dangerous and, and, it's not to say I want somebody, you know, pulling a Brett Favre uh, kind of gunslinger act out there. Uh, but at the same time, I think that if you're a good, if you are a, a, a player who can be a P5 quarterback and be a, a potential NFL quarterback down the road is, is maybe we like fooled ourselves into thinking early on in DeVito's career at Syracuse, like you need to be able to fit balls in tight windows. And I think he did here and there, but, but mostly like, there, there was no danger to these passes. And I think you saw uh, kind of the danger leave his, his, uh, his arsenal last year too, where um, once he threw like some picks and had some issues in the early part of the season, you really saw him like avoid trying to fit uh, passes in tight windows and instead opted for, for, for the safe option. And, and that's how you get, that's how you get a streak like this, which great, but if we're not passing the ball effectively um, and aggressively downfield, then, you know, what, what is it really worth? It's it's a good point, and also like last year, the picks that he had, the few that he had, were all those bunched in the, in the beginning of the season, and they were all those like rollout, like kind of bad hiccup, um, just bad habits that he had. Versus like you said, trying to get the ball down the field, making a big play. Like it's a lot easier to uh, forgive like someone trying to make a big play when, especially when the team needs something like that, uh, versus just like you know being the proverbial game manager totally afraid to like do anything that might be a little risky. So, you know, it seemed early on in his career, like we might have a little more of a gunslinger in DeVito and there are, there are, you know, goods and bads with that. Like obviously you don't want, you know, Tampa Bay, James Winston throwing 30 pits in a year, but also there's a reason why he also threw 30 touchdowns. Like you do need to like get the ball downfield a little bit. And I, I think why well, you don't want him going off the rails, especially if the offensive line doesn't allow plays to develop and the receivers are still not, um, where we need them to be in terms of uh, their chemistry with DeVito. Like, you do want to see uh, a quarterback who's going to keep the defense honest deep and then force uh, force things back and force the safeties to to stay on their heels and, and do all the things that, like, having a downfield passing game opens up for you, including 
uh, opening up the running game a little bit, which obviously we did not have one semblance of on uh, Saturday. Yeah, I mean, that kind of fit right in with what you and I were talking about in the game preview and in our position preview when we were alluding to at the time, uh, Abdul Adams and Gerard, uh, sorry, Jarvin Howard not playing, but without those guys and their size um, and, and, and with the interior line breakdowns that we saw, um, especially from the center position, this is kind of what happens. You, you have a, a, a very kind of fleet of foot, but also lighter back um, in Gerard Jordan who's forced to run between the tackles and can't really do it. Um, and, and it's not that it's not that he should be expected to either. Like realistically, he's not that type of back. He's not the type of guy who without somebody else kind of softening the line for him, he's going to be able to break through like that. Um, and then Marquenzi Pierre, like just never really got rolling. Um, and kind of my fears around, you know, his insertion in the offense, like definitely came to fruition where he's just, at least from what we saw in limited action on, on a Saturday, he just, he wasn't able to play that the role that, that Howard or, uh, or Adams would have. So that was definitely a disappointment. Um, I just, I don't see how, even with like the line that we thought we had, and we still could have like before the end of the year, I'm just, I'm not super hopeful that we're going to end up seeing much from the run game. And that means, that means more blitzing. That means more onus on DeVito. That means DeVito more worried about what he's doing wrong instead of worried about what he's doing right. Um, and I, I don't, I don't see it going well. Um, but I also know that like Babers like has his moments where he's able to make these big shifts that we haven't seen before or change parts of the offense in, in drastic ways. And I think we could see a lot of that hopefully um, in response to this, but that also puts an onus on, on, on Sterling Gilbert, who I think called a terrible game um, for, for much of Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, it just didn't look radically different from the frustrating games we had last year. Um, just like a lot of things that like clearly weren't working and we kept on going for them, uh, running up the middle with our two small running backs um, uh, into an offensive line that wasn't working. It's just we're, we're very afraid to abandon things that like are pretty standard parts of football that like clearly aren't working based on limitations that we have. And I, I just think we need to just figure something else out because you can't waste full games, especially when we have a shortened schedule. Um, you can't waste games trying to like force in like a thing that some teams can do that we clearly can't. And and you would hope that that would have been come, uh, apparent during practice. Like obviously, I think we were practicing full full go. We weren't just doing thudding, and um, we have a pretty good defensive front as we saw. Um, so it should have been pretty apparent, I think, that we. Uh, that before we were doing UNC prep that like running through the middle is not going to be a thing that we're going to be super adept at. Um, Honestly, I said, I tweeted on Saturday, like if these are, if you need to run up the middle, if we're like, if we're like inside the five or we were just dreadful, if I remember correctly on Saturday, like stick Pat Davis in there and put Elmore in the backfield. Cause like doing it with Gerard Jordan who had 14 carries uh, just isn't going to be what we need considering uh, the problem with the interior offensive line. So um, yeah, it's just frustrating to see see the the coaching staff not adapt on the fly and not make like those ha- those halftime adjustments that I think even even the first couple of years we were struggling. I feel like we we did better with that than we have the last year plus. Yeah, there's been a decent amount of stubbornness and obviously like not using the tight ends. Um, and this one too was another frustrating aspect. I part of me thinks that like okay, I guess like if if we had lost thirty one to six and it looked in doubt the entire time, I would have thought okay, Dino's not going to empty like the the playbook 
on this one. But realistically, like we had a, again, had a shot to be up 24 seven, you know, shortly after halftime in this one and just couldn't do it. So I, I'm, I'm hopeful that we see some, some changes here in week two. Um, I, I would, I would really, I would kind of bank on it. Cause if not, um, I feel like this coaching staff not really doing themselves any favors, <laughs> not doing those of us who have faith in Dino any favors in terms of defending what's happening on the field. I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic that while Pitt's defense, and we'll get into this in the second half of the podcast, that while Pitt's defense um, is very good, um, I'm hoping that their lack of like a dynamic offense, um, at least on paper, means that we can stay in this one and maybe just take advantage of some mistakes. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I think that's the hope too. Like, and and honestly, our offense can't really perform worse. So it's it's not like we're. I don't think we're going to fall from where we were this past weekend. Like we had 200 total yards. It's not going to get worse than that. So um, maybe we figure some things out on the tape. Uh, so, but Pitts D, like. I don't think even if it's better than UNC's, we'll be able to have like a much better performance. And then their offense, um, I can't imagine. I mean, it's it's definitely not as talented as UNC's. Maybe it's you know efficient. I mean, it did in Austin P, but I don't know how much you're supposed to take away from that. Like teams beat FCS teams by 50 all the time. Um, and people, we were talking about it before we hopped on the like live call. Like people were acting like the the shortened clock thing was like this crazy thing. Like no, that happens almost every year in one of these FCS teams. Like it's that's not that's not a crazy uh, thing that never happens at college football. I, I think it happens literally at least once a year. Oh yeah. And, and, and once a year, maybe in each conference um, we can get into pit uh, at, after half. Uh, I, I think first, the one other thing I wanted to talk about before we got to the break was um, Syracuse added another commit today. And last week we had the uh, live news that uh, Enrique Cruz, uh, not a wide receiver, orange, not a wide receiver. I was going to commit to the orange this week. We got a, uh, before the podcast, well before the podcast, um, news that a wide receiver did commit to the Orange, um, Aranda Gadsden, um, the second committed. He's uh, the son of uh, Aranda Gadsden, who uh, who many in our general age bracket or older might remember for playing for the Dolphins, playing for some other teams in the NFL. Um, he's our first Florida commit, uh, surprisingly, in this uh, this class. And Syracuse is still kind of hanging around the top forty five ish. We're at 44 uh, right now after Dadson, so. Which is nice. Uh, unfortunately, we also lost under George Brooks. Uh, he named his top four. We were not in it. That's not great. Um, but we also do have a pretty solid uh, group of defensive uh, linemen this year. So, Dan, I know you and I kind of talked about it beforehand. Uh, what are the handful of things left in this class that you think they need to address? Um, it's, it's, uh, it should be interesting. Like, I think we're, we're pretty well situated. We have a couple receivers, which is obviously a place where we looked at every year. We have a, a good amount of linebackers and defensive linemen, as you said, um, I'm all for adding another offensive lineman or two. Uh, Enrique Cruz is one of our best commits at the offensive tackle position, but, um, with how our offensive line has been, um, I would just get any, I mean, as many good F, uh, power five level offensive linemen as you can. Um, even on top of the like four, I think we have committed now. Um, and then uh, I don't know. I think it's a pretty well uh, built class so far. Like you have your quarterback, who we got early, finally. Um, 
You have uh, a good amount uh, at the, it's, it's pretty well spread out, I think, in terms of position need. Yeah, I think we did a really good job there. Maybe we had um, a running back because like we have one in Josh Ho, but then we just lost Adams and uh, and Howard, who are apparently going to try their their you know going to put their names in for the NFL draft, which um, I'm sure everyone has thoughts about. But in any case, like we may be actually kind of short of that position now, as we've seen. So maybe maybe you add another running back if you can. Yeah, I mean, if we lose both of those, and then you add in um, Garrison Johnson, that means three um, out of the program this offseason alone. Uh, yeah. one, of, one of them expected and Adams just because he was going to graduate. Uh, that's not ideal. I don't know who you get in on from the running back spot. There's not like a ton of guys that we've offered out there. Uh, there was, what's his name? Who I think he, Anthony Turner is still out there. Um, a guy that we were in on early and then we kind of like faded. Uh, but 24 seven had him mark warmer uh, for whatever that's worth. Uh, offers from Virginia, Mizzou, uh, 24/7 has three star guys. No, sorry, 24/7 has two star guys. 20, he's three star on the composite. Had a bunch of good offers. Might be worth circling back with him. That um, could work. I also, like just leaving a couple spots for transfers. Obviously, who knows what what, what this year's going to look like in terms of um, how the the alchemy works with these classes because of everyone like maintaining eligibility. It's going to be, I mean, it's going to be kind of a mess whether or not it's a good thing or not. Um, like in any case, it's going to be kind of a mess. So uh, if it's like the normal, we have this many spots left. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to waiting and seeing what the transfer market looks like and, and saying like, hey, we have we have playing time available. We need to win some games in 2021. So so get in here. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think leaving some spots available would be good. Um, some other guys that are kind of out there still. Uh, we have linebacker. I'd like this like us to get at least one more linebacker. Um, I think Eric Ford's the only one with an like only one really on our radar anymore with an offer. Um, but he seems like he's a Virginia lean. Um, Bryce Myers is a name that's come up a bunch. He's a New Jersey kid. Um, does not have an offer yet. I don't know if he's going to get one necessarily. Uh, I think linebacker JUCOs. We should definitely be be mining that area. We've had some success there. I just think even if the linebackers we currently have are good, I think we really need some help. Um, in the immediate term. So a transfer, Juco, or I mean, grad even better. Um, but usually grad transfer is a little bit tougher at the linebacker spot. Um, another option, if we're looking at guys who could still be added uh, from the high school ranks, um, Gabe Blair, we probably offered him a couple months ago, uh, a Texas kid, uh, but the type of guy who has a USC offer, Virginia Tech offer, Air Force, Colorado, Tulane, among others. Um, he's a center, and realistically, as we've seen with our struggles um, at that position of late, um, having you know capable centers is is a must. Um, it also seems like we still have a couple uh, balls in the air in terms of uh, defensive backs. Uh, William Wells, a Florida kid, um, has a Wazoo offer, UCF, FAU. Um, he's somebody who we talk to pretty frequently. Um, and then Elijah Clark is a name that uh, has been coming up lately. I know Mike McAllister tweeted. Um, over the weekend, but, uh, it seems like SU is still pursuing him despite the fact that he's a Rutgers commit. Rutgers coaches are not too happy about it and want to flip Deuce Chestnut. Really, uh, really like super pedantic on like in on Maine basically. Which, like, I know recruiting is what it is in 2020, but like, come on, guys. Yeah, it's pretty silly. It seemed like a very like uh, you know high school drama uh, <laughs> bit, bit, bit of tweeting going on. So, uh, yeah, sure, whatever. Fight it out. 
over kids that have their own decision making and free will. What's also um, what's the sell there? Like, hey, it's not like you only recruit one cornerback per per group. Like, you can play four cornerbacks on the field at, if, at the same time if you want. It's not like there's like a a real crunch for playing time at that position. But what's the sales pitch to Chestnut then? Like, hey, your school is recruiting this other guy that happens to play the same position. Um, we want to get back at them, so come play here where we're also recruiting the other guy at that position. Like, well, it doesn't make any sense. Like, Also, all of our fans said that your offer was not committable. <laughs> oh, yeah, also that part. Yes. <laughs> but, but they're going to act really yeah. thrilled when we flip this. This, this borderline four-star from Camden, uh, we're definitely not going to take him. Nonsense. Uh, uh, the non-committable offer thing also, like, I know it's, like, offers really aren't, like, real until uh, the – August before their senior year anyway. But the whole non-committable offer thing is the stupidest thing in recruiting, and recruiting has a lot of stupid things. Non-committable like, offer thing's gotten so much worse. It's just so dumb. Like, it's dumb as a full concept. Just, uh, and I know there's no ways to fix it because offers are just like kind of, kind of fantasy for the most part until they actually happen. But, like, it just, oh, it's so, it's gross. It's just gross and it doesn't make any sense as a concept. Yeah, I agree. Like, either you want a kid or you don't. So. Yeah, offer him or don't. If you don't offer him, who cares? Like, that's fine. Like, you don't, no one's telling you you have to offer a kid, but to like leave this like weird dangled like thing over someone's head and to like what to make them feel better and be able to say they have an Alabama offer or whatever, even though it's not, like, it's just gross. Like, we, I don't know, you can't even do anything about it because it's just all fantasy world, but, and it's all just like in the text messages between coaches and players, but we just like really need to like come together as a community in general and just like say we're just not having this anymore it's so disgusting yeah i agree and like you know what is as much as it seems weird that like syracuse has more offers than most like actually almost everybody um out but if you look at where the offers are coming from like syracuse isn't a school offering a ton of kids that like they're not going to take i also don't like much about the uncommittal offers coming from us any like anyway oh no yeah I'm just saying you look at us, like realistically, most of the offers that make up that huge offer sheet that we're putting out and like that we're offering hundreds of guys is we're offering a lot of guys who like we're probably not going to be able to get, but we want to be able to show interest in certain high schools, certain guys. Like yep. we want to get involved in these conversations with four and five star guys, even if the likelihood of us being able to bring them aboard is slim because it has future return value. And there's value in like in just showing up on someone's list when they do like the early here's who's offered me things. Like you want to be you want to have your name involved there. And I guess like you could almost call the non-committal offer thing like the reverse for the player. But then like if that's not and we've seen this multiple times, if that's not um, really told to the player up front, like we had the thing with Louisville a few years ago, I think it was where the running back was like committed there, and then on on like the eve of signing day or whatever he basically was found out that he couldn't actually sign. So, like, right. just really disgusting stuff like that. People just need to be more transparent. Like, a high, a, a, a good high school football player, like, it's if, if like, the, his dream school doesn't offer him, I'm sure it'll hurt. But it's going to be way worse if he thinks he can commit to Penn State and then and then Penn State's like, oh, no, we didn't actually mean it. Like, it's just really, really dumb, and I would love to just get rid of that totally, um, cast it into the sun as like a concept in high school football recruiting, which has so many issues anyway, and bigger ones to be frank, but like, it's just, it's just bad. It's just bad. All there's, there's no, nothing good is, is gained from it. I would agree. Uh, Dan, before we head to some beer talk, I uh, did want to do a little bit of an ad read uh, for our friends over at home field apparel. 
you may be familiar with Homefield at this point. Uh, those listening, it's incredibly comfortable uh, vintage collegiate apparel. Uh, they just launched a Syracuse line back on September 5th. Um, I know we talked a little bit about the shirts last week, but personally, I'm a big fan of the ones I got. Um, the uh, Otto Crest, as well as the uh, Vita the Goat, uh, that's super comfortable. Unfortunately, Vita the Goat lost on Saturday, uh, so I'm going to give a different shirt a go um, <laughs> this coming Saturday, uh, probably the Otto, and, and, and we'll see kind of what happens uh, next. Dan, have you received your shirts yet? Um, I actually even I just got back to New York uh, like an hour before we started, so I haven't checked my mail yet. Um, I think they were getting in today, uh, if I remember. So I will, I will have a, hopefully your full review by next week. Um, I'm glad to know I'm not the only one who will ride a shirt uh, until it doesn't work. So, and I think I ordered five from Homefield. So we're gonna have we have some we have some real uh, opportunities to find the juju here uh, to see what <laughs> works. Um, I don't know what I'll start out with next week, but I'm sure I will uh, excitedly let people know. Um, but yes, I ordered five. So. Uh, we have over a month to, to find the shirt that's going to win us some games. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I, I have enough for a different one each uh, each game this season, so I might have to uh, I might have to just 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 play the uh, the variance card. Got a couple of jerseys to throw into the mix as well. Yeah, I mean, if we get a like full Syracuse apparel, then yes, we have. I have enough for like all the football season, and if I like go dig into the coffers somewhere, probably like half a basketball season. <laughs> yeah, I, whatever uh, that looks like. I do have. I was. I did get a, a script mellow jersey. Um, nice. Like yeah. So let's see when I ever get to wear that again. Um, but yeah, finishing up our ad read here. Uh, we told you about some of the shirts we like uh, last week. This week, uh, you can go check them out on Homefield. Uh, there's about ten of them right now uh, that you can give a try. I think they're awesome, affordable, um, relative to like how these kind of vintage shirts usually go for. Uh, so definitely worth a shot. Uh, you can go to homefieldapparel.com for more and use our promo code uh, NOONS for uh, for 10% off. Yes, definitely uh, don't forget the promo code. Um, and obviously, I think most people took advantage on that big, uh, big new Saturday where we beat UConn, which was lovely. Um, hopefully, we'll have another chance to uh, go head-to-head with them and prove our T-shirt dominance once again, even though they do have the sad husky, which is it's a, it's a, it's a feather in their cap, but not enough, obviously. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think that they keep complaining about the fact that they weren't competing against us when they were doing it. But realistically, you either want the shirts or you don't. Yeah, I mean, what's do you just not like UConn enough by itself, UConn fans? <laughs> um, and also, like, uh, if you want to throw in some Tulane or Hawaii gear uh, or some of the other schools that we, San Diego State has a nice line. Um, obviously, start with your Syracuse, but I, I will be ordering some Tulane gear down the road. Um, once I've, once I've, uh, exhausted my Syracuse wear here, but, uh, no, no, there's no shame in ordering some non-rival stool stuff that has like awesome old, uh, like time capsule logos on it. So embrace, embrace the, the full, the full collection, I think. Indeed I will. Uh, again, for those who are ordering, uh, go to homefieldapparel.com and you can use the noons promo code for 10% off. Um, but now Dan, we, uh, move on to beer. What have you been drinking of late? Um, I grabbed some Connecticut stuff while I was in uh, my hometown for uh, my birthday weekend to celebrate me becoming a very old 30-year-old. Um, which, to the club. Which on Saturday, uh, my actual birthday, comprised of me uh, watching the Syracuse game and then working until about 11.30 p.m. So really fun. Just great stuff. Um, 
the two things I bought uh, four packs of, which I almost finished yesterday uh, in total, um, some passion fruit doza from Two Rows, which is really delicious. I'm having the last one right now. And then I also got uh, some G-Bot from New England, uh, which is one of the better uh, New England IPAs around. Super, super, super hopped out. Um, but really good if you enjoy that So uh, for a double. So uh, definitely liked having those. And then back to drinking through my ever-expanding beer fridge that uh, never quite, never, never is quite uh, down to where I can go buy more. Yeah, that is the issue uh, with any beer fridge. Also nice to hear... Uh... You're drinking some uh, formerly known as Gandhi Bot. Uh, yes. Oh, 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 one of my favorite New England beers. So good. Uh, yeah, I can't. I haven't had it in years, really, but always a good one. Um, couple new ones for me. All Highland Park. Uh, had the uh, Goody Pills from Highland Park and Creature Comforts uh, down in Georgia. Really good uh, collaborative pills they had. Um, also a, a Standing in the Sun from Highland Park. Really, really good West Coast IPA. Was uh what was it? Oh, it was Strata Hops from Indie Hop Farms and Motika Hops from uh, Freestyle Hops. Uh, both really good. I felt like it was just a really nice, uh, light, crisp uh, West Coast IPA. Also had a uh, raised eyebrows uh, from Highland Park that I hadn't had in a couple of years. It was a sour ale with a uh, guava and passion fruit. So a really enjoyable. Um, Sounds very sour. Yeah, I, uh, last time I had it was probably like 2015, uh, so it's been a while. But uh, again, definitely enjoyable. Speaking right of drinking, on. yeah, why don't we why don't we talk about what's going to happen to Syracuse against Pitt this weekend? Because I'm uh, <laughs> I I feel like not a lot of people are super uh, super positive about this. I I think we have a chance, uh, but we'll get into predictions later. Uh, first and foremost, what do you think of Kenny Pickett? He's fine. <laughs> He's, I feel like about Kenny Pickett, like I felt about Kenny Pickett for. I mean, he he definitely feels a like quarterback. a quarterback. He feels like a pit point guard at this point. He feels like the the Carl Trouser of the pit football program. Like I know he hasn't been there that long, but man, like he's a senior and he's played every year. And man, it just feels like he's been around for so long. He of a career a career best uh, six point six yards per attempt last year. Uh, actually, not career best. He had seven point seven as a, a freshman when he didn't really play that much. Uh, but then 13 touchdowns, nine interceptions, really lighting the world on fire. Um, yeah, I mean, he just doesn't excite me at all. <laughs> I think it feels like we're on the third year of people acting like he's this really flashy, exciting player when really he's he's kind of a game manager, um, which is fine if you have, like, the running backs that Pitt uh, tends to have. Um, that's the one thing that kind of stands out from this, uh, from this, this game. They ran for 147 yards and six touchdowns, which is great, um, against Austin P. Um, but it was only 4.1 yards to carry, so it wasn't like they really imposed their will on our on right. uh, the Austin P defensive line. They threw the ball all over the place on them, which again, I, I don't think Kenny Pickett's throwing for um, 13, 14 yards uh, an attempt and uh, only one touchdown somehow <laughs> every game. But um, I, I guess like they 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 spread the ball around well. It's just like it's tough to glean too much from a, a demon. It's an FCS opponent um, and one like it's not like Austin P is like North Dakota State, so. Good for them for getting the nice win and the headlines and whatnot, but um, I still I f- kind of feel like we're going in against like a pretty empty slate. And I think like if we had played Austin P, there's a decent chance we would have done maybe not quite as well given our offensive line problems. But like I bet we probably well. pretty handily. Yeah, I mean inter- we probably would have had a couple like pick sixes, some other stuff uh, that would have been fun. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at Pickett's numbers from last year. Just really weird games all around. And again, I- I've said this before, I couldn't 
tell you a single pass Kenny Pickett's ever thrown. And yet we have, uh, he was a weird 21 of 41 uh, for a touchdown and two picks against Virginia last year. Uh, he put up some solid numbers, 26, 37 for 321 against Ohio. He was an odd, very odd, really a weird line all around. 35 of 51 for 372, zero touchdowns and zero picks in a 17 to 10 loss to Penn State last year. He's like incredible at not throwing touchdown passes. This like this is like some <laughs> time, this is time lord nonsense. Like how do you do this? Like I, I didn't watch this game because like there were Why would you? all of the, all the other games were on. I didn't um, watch another to be honest. I, I I've been and I wrote this in the in the on the blog last week because of my like iffy feelings about college football this year and just like not feeling ready for the season. I didn't watch a single like second of football after the Syracuse game because I was just disgusted by everything that happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I I couldn't do that, but that's fair. That's a fair reaction to it. It's also not like a, it wasn't really like a, a good no. group of teams, um, and there it won't be this week either. Like really, until the SEC comes around, like we're kind of just kind of wading through some mediocrity, um, but. Like, I didn't see this game, but it just feels like every single drive, they must have just gotten within five yards and punched it in because it's it's just it's entertaining how often, even in his, like, better games, he throws for, like, one touchdown. Yeah, it's just... Like, I'm not going to go through the whole list, but, like, 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 that game against Penn State was really him in a nutshell. Like, almost 70% completion for almost 400 yards with zero touchdowns, zero picks, and you lose 70 to, 17 to 10. How? Yeah, like, that's... How, how does that? How does all that happen? It's it's fascinating for sure. Yeah, he also had a ten of twenty six game for one hundred and three yards against Virginia Tech, but no picks, no touchdowns in that one either. Um, had a thirty of forty uh, against BC, but they lose twenty six nineteen, three hundred twenty three yards, zero touchdowns, one pick. Again, how? It's it's really like he's ripped out of like the mid to late two thousands. Like he has like the exact same stat line as like like Red Paulus, but like less worse completion percentage. I think like it's just very it's just weird, just weird all around. Yeah, I don't I don't really understand what's happening here, and like it's fine, whatever. Even even in this game against Austin P, yeah, fourteen to twenty two seventy seven one touchdown. Get out of here. <laughs> Like I, yeah, so I, I really know. I don't think he's, they're going to have to run the ball in their running game, at least from like a proven entity perspective is not great. Um, we'll it's usually they, pretty good. And so like, it I has feel been, like, but their best options all left and last year's wasn't that good either. Yeah. It's, um, it's one of those things where like, I think their, their uh, reputation kind of comes ahead of like the reality of where they are. And again, like, it's hard to really say like, oh, they only ran for whatever against Austin P, like four point one yards a carry, but like, who knows what like if they actually needed to run the ball effectively to like win a game, what it would look like. But um, yeah, it's just like there's nothing about this offense really scares me. The defense does, um, but even then, like they had three sacks since Austin P. It wasn't like they just like you know destroyed uh, what I'm sure is an offensive line that's at least comparable to ours, <laughs> maybe maybe hopefully worse. Um, <laughs> Uh, they, so they, they were pretty disruptive. Eight, eight tackles for loss. Like it's not like Austin P really got much going. Um, they basically didn't run the ball. They had uh, one yard on twenty-two carries, which is uh, kind of fun. Um, but like, I don't know. It's just 
I'm sure the defense is pretty good. Everyone said it was going to be good entering the year. Um, They're definitely they good. I mean, they have yeah. great defensive backs. They have great guys up front. I think that's all fair. I just – I didn't really see it against Austin P though. Yeah, I mean, it's just – it's every year they're like a lot of FCS teams have this exact same result, and it's hard to glean much from um, what, like, Pitt looks like just because they held Austin P to a yard on the ground. Like, it's just not – I don't know. It just feels like there wasn't that much that happened last weekend, so people made a much bigger deal of this game uh, than you like ever, ever like anything ever happens before. It's like it's almost like that Maryland and obviously Maryland went on to blow us out, so like that looks just look exactly like that um, in a bad universe. But it's like the Maryland what Howard game last year where they won by like eighty points. Like, yeah, that's not going to be indicative of like what happens after this at all. Yeah, and like I'm looking at like I mean, obviously again didn't watch the game. For, for for you know just having a life reasons um but like nobody had more than three tackles uh <laughs> which is weird um paris ford didn't put up like big numbers necessarily had one tackle for loss like hamlin didn't necessarily have a huge game either just all around just kind of weird it's kind of like shrugging at, at, at what happened here so like, I don't think Pitt's bad. I, I just also don't think it's indicative of what's, like, what, a 20-plus point line against us right now? Like, I don't, I don't see how Pitt's going to put up 20 points against our defense unless, like, we put up zero points. This doesn't look like a rest – like, like this looks like a 13-10 game. It looks like a Pitt-Syracuse game. Well, um, almost, almost any Pitt-Syracuse game except that one. Yes, except for the the one the one interesting one. The one, the one interesting one that that had everybody on the edge of their seats for like four and a half hours. On, Even when Syracuse is down like scores, it didn't really feel like it because of how many points there were. <laughs> I honestly, I started writing the recap, and then I was like, "Yeah, I mean, this is probably not going to happen." And then suddenly in the fourth quarter, everything got really stupid. And then I was like, "Hold on, nope, I'm not going to write the recap yet. Never mind." And then luckily, <laughs> life gave me another hour and a half to write the recap because that fourth quarter never ended. That's incredible. Yeah, I, I was I was like I was at my in-laws' house and I was like packing things in and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna start writing this recap and suddenly everything got really pointsy and stupid. And then I just decided, yeah, I'm just gonna wait for this one a little bit longer. And was uh what was it store? 7661? Yeah. Everyone does. Just just truly just just, truly a, just higher score than the Syracuse Pit game was that year in basketball. Oh god. Just just the things we do for this team. Um we don't have Please too much longer. We, just don't, <laughs> want this anymore. we don't want this. They don't want this. But yeah, Dan, I guess uh, anything else you want to share on Pitt here? Uh, not because we don't have a lot to say about them. I just feel like we didn't really get much from the Austin P game. I feel like everyone should know that they're, they have one of the top three defenses in the conference. They probably have the top front, even without Jalen Twyman. Um, they're probably the top front in the uh, in the ACC and maybe one of the top five to ten nationally. Um, this is a really good secondary as well. Um, if Tommy makes mistakes, he's going to pay for them in this one, and I think they're going to be able to make us suffer on the ground. So realistically, Tommy's going to have to throw us out of this one if we want to win this game. Um, I don't see that happening, but maybe maybe Dino surprises us all and just decided to kind of like go bland in week one and then and then uh, suddenly really start attacking Pitt. And, and doing something interesting. I'm going to hope that's not the case because we were down 10 to 6 <laughs> in the fourth quarter. Or, so we probably tricks. Have, yeah, we probably should have said like, oh, hey, let's try to win the game that we're in. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say that was not the case, but but maybe. 
we'll see. Um, no, it's not the same. Like I, I, I expect Pitt. Like I think the the line may be a little high, but it's hard to blame people considering what our offense looked like and what our defense. Um, I mean, I think most people who actually like watch the game at all acknowledge it. Like, oh, the defense actually looked really good. Um, but it's easy to see why, like you know, your average person would just like glance at the bot store and say, like, oh, Syracuse stinks. Um, or like top to bottom. Um, that being said, like, so yeah, I, I just don't expect much of this pit offense, but the defense does does stare me. Um, just because, like, while there was nothing that, like, really jumps off the page about this Austin P game, aside from the fact they didn't run for anything, um, like, there was nothing to say that, like, Pitt's defense is worse than we thought. Like, it, it still looks really good by default. Um, so, yeah, like, just based on what we looked like offensively, I'm, I'm not, like, thrilled about it. I wish – I just – I think we're really missing, like, our normal kind of, like, early, easy game or two schedule, which is – um, based on the how week one went, like we really could have used a tune-up game, and then maybe we would have been able to find some figure out our offense. Because like if we had won like an ugly game against Liberty or whoever we have to play um, in week one, and like kind of like last year where we didn't really do anything offensive, offensively but still won comfortably, maybe we would have like kind of snapped into like let's figure out what works mode before um, having to play like big conference games like this. Um, so just another way another uh, instance of our weird schedule really not helping us at all this year. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, and, and now looking at a Georgia Tech team that managed to knock off Florida State. Um... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I think that might say more about Florida State, but yes, they do look. look, um, And even last year, they looked better than like they probably should have. They weren't good. They only won like two or three games, but they, they look more, they look like, nominally ahead of schedule um i think jeff collins is doing a really good job there um florida state's a mess <laughs> just like a real mess yeah i i mean realistically i i agree with you i don't think that, that we'll get into georgia tech well somebody will get into georgia tech with you it probably won't be me uh, <laughs> next week but probably gonna have paul johnson on it's gonna be to be sweet oh that'll be great you get like hate <laughs> na- you get like hate mass paul johnson <laughs> I actually sent an email. I should find a way to reach out to him. Dear, um, dear Paul, I, I I co-host a program that uh, you 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 can listen to with your ears. Do we think Paul Johnson knows what a podcast is? I guess I think that's what you're you're kind of hinting at there. No, it's like yeah, I, I'd lean it's like forty sixty at best. It's a radio show, but for the internet. <laughs> um, but yeah, in any case, really yeah, I, I I wish we could get that guest. Uh, but yeah. I, I think it's going to be interesting where Syracuse finishes. I don't think week one's indicative, as, as you would agree. Um, week two, on the other hand, I think is slightly indicative of where we could be going, even if it's not the indicative of where we are. Uh, yeah, like we need to show some real, some real optimism. I guess like the one bright spot is um, even if we kind of lose the fans after week two, we're not going to have any fans in the stands anyway. So ticket sales, <laughs> just not a, not a concern. <laughs> Honestly, I. Uh, I, I kind of wanted to like be that guy and just like take a photo of <laughs> of, of the empty stadium at the beginning. Of, uh, How you do you see fans? To to recruit? <laughs> you would see fans just can't 
just can't even draw them in when they're great. We won ten games two years ago. No one's here, literally. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, mean, I thought better of it. Uh, I mean, we definitely make the jokes anyway, acknowledging they were jokes. So it works out. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, so Dan, what uh, what, what what do you have going on in this pit game? Um, I'm going to say we find a way to score a touchdown. Um, I'm going to give us that. I'm going to say uh, pit twenty one ten. I I actually think the offense fails to score a touchdown for a second straight game. Oh God! However, Andre oh, Cisco scores a I touchdown. Might, I might just delete Twitter if that happens. However, Andre Cisco scores a touchdown. Um, I think we lose seventeen thirteen. Okay, I don't think anyone's gonna feel great about either of those. Um, <laughs> but you know, honestly, like if our defense looks really good again, and we don't score an offensive touchdown for two straight weeks, and we lose by four. I don't think people wouldn't feel good about it, but you know, no, because there'll be some Schaefer ass nonsense. And realistically, like if I wanted to lose a game, 17, 13 to pit, I, I, I mean, and, and again, I'm pro Dino. I could have kept Scott Schaefer around for that effing result. Yeah. To Schaefer to die you up a game where like his defense is going to be unstoppable once or twice a year. And maybe you find that with like the, the help of Andre Sisto picking off a pass every single game. Um, which by the way, just like incredible. Every time there's a ball kind of like a questionable pass over the middle, I, I just don't like war, like teleports to it. <laughs> he could have had it. He could have had another one on that. Uh, on that, what's it called? That was that. I forgot when it was. Was it in the second quarter? That like tip ball deep. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he he could have had another one. I will say, and we probably should put this up earlier. Um, the defensive bats, like and we said, they looked good. Um, really like lived up. Uh, the corners as well. Um. Cisco got burnt like once, and that was really yeah. Good. And he he's a gambler, so that happens. Not to like excuse it, but it, it happens. But Melifonu, I feel like the announcers kind of like caught up to like where we are. Melifonu was like, yeah, he's uh he's really good, guys. And then he's one of the best cover men in the conference. Yeah, like they just stopped throwing at him. Um, I thought Garrett Williams looked really solid. Um, obviously he gave us some 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 passes, but he recorded a lot of tackles and just like kept things in front of him. Um, so overall, like. If we can do that more often than not, just hopefully this offense gets to a point of like respectability and we can win a couple games this year. Um, we just can't go another year without looking, without having like any improvement. Even like if there are excuses, it's just not going to fly um, after a while. So, so knock on wood. Like the defense lo- looks like a really impressive turnaround. Um, the higher looks good. Uh, like I'm a big fan of the three three five and all the like adaptability of it. Um, but like you know, he's an offensive coach, so event- I mean that's going to fall on him more than anything. Yeah, no, I completely agree there. I, I think it's realistic to to start to wonder about what the hell we're doing here. If uh, if like like honestly, like I'm only like half joking about the 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 no offensive touchdown thing, but I think it's within the realm of possibility because of how good Pitt's defense is. But but if if we can get a special teams or um, or defensive touchdown, that could be a nice balance it way to balance it out. Still, I yeah, I, I I don't think. I don't think this fan base can survive a second straight week of no offensive touchdown. And oh, no, uh, it, it got ugly on Saturday. Super um, ugly. So I'm not looking forward to that part of it at all. No, um, and we're, yeah. although I will say realistically, we were like two drops away from having two offensive touchdowns and a stupid uh, personal foul from having a third touchdown in general. Uh, that was so bad. It's unbelievable how many. It's unbelievable a how many mistakes North Carolina made to keep us in the game. Yeah. Or to like keep us like hanging around, and also how many mistakes we made to not answer those UNC mistakes with touchdowns. Like 
repeatedly. In, in twenty, I mean, in twenty, it sucks to have to keep on saying like, if this was twenty eighteen, but if, if twenty eighteen, we probably win that game by like thirty points. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh yeah, and immediately vault into like the top fifteen. Yeah. Oh, and this year, yeah, we'd be like as soon as they'll race the Big Ten and Pac twelve teams, which I think is this week. Even though yeah, they did. Yeah, I mean, UL Lafayette's like the nineteenth team in the country right now. Yeah, we'd be probably in like the top twelve. So, um, it, cool. and, and again, like it, it won't even take that much to even get there now if we just beat Pitt and then beat Georgia Tech. Like we'll probably be top twenty-five by default. So, win us! Yay! I can't wait! I can't wait for us to like for that to happen and us to like really pip it like it's a normal ranking. We should. I I will. True. As you as you can and should sell T-shirts. Oh, that's not a question. They they will. Rank two out of three years. <laughs> no, three out of three. That would have been that would have been three. We were ranked last year. Yeah. Three straight years. Three straight years in the rankings, baby. Three years. <laughs> it's a dynasty. The dynasty's back. Just just, just pull the Scott Schaefer. <laughs> three and oh, three years. The era 20, of good 24, feelings. 24 years. <laughs> oh God. Uh yeah, that feels like a good place. Yeah, good place to do things. Yeah, the, 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 this was nonsense. Um, a, anything else, Dan? No. Good uh, luck this week uh, with everything that may or may not happen. Yeah, we, we might have. Ch- I, I, I think there's a very fair chance child number two arrives soon. Yes. So in that in that case, it'll probably be as you predicted this past week. Uh, it'll probably happen during the pit game. Um, yeah, it didn't happen during UNC. Pit pit sounds about right. But like we'll actually like beat Pitt, but I won't have I won't be able to watch the second half because the hospital won't have ACC network. Because I know they happened? don't. I know. Well, I know they don't because I oh, maybe because because oh, wow. I know from last time when I got to watch the Syracuse Clemson game on ESPN. If if that happens and like we're like struggling at the half and then you rush to the hospital and then we win, well, I'm never. Watch, I'm not allowed to watch. I'm not allowed to watch again because like I feel like if we pull our fans, they're probably going to say no. You can't. Well, I think our fans would prefer that I that I had no joy anyway. But that's fair. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you everybody for listening to Troy Noon's Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Megaphone, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and go orange. Go orange.